Marva's funeral procession music reminds me a lot of Duel of Fates. You know, you get the dun 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 and that's kind of like pushing you along. That's like the pulse of that. And that sort of reminds me of the then you have the big choir, the and that's exactly the chords are like two or three chords in that song. It's not a lot. And they just kind of go back and forth. So I don't know if Nicholas Bretel took any inspiration from that. And they certainly don't sound like each other, but sort of from a compositional standpoint, they feel very similar to me. You've made me like that even more now. Yes. everyone to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey and I am actually here with Royish Good Looks. Hello podcast and Joey. That's us. We're back <laughs> together again. We're getting the band back together. That's language you're more used to probably. Blink-182 is back. <laughs> Anytime anyone says that I, I imagine them at the Grammys announcing that their reunion is happening as they're awkwardly standing like three feet apart. Not on Zoom. <laughs> We're awkwardly standing, you know, a hundred miles apart. A hundred Ethernet cables apart. <laughs> anyway, we're the podcast that talks all about nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. And we are here today. It's funny, a little behind the scenes. Before <laughs> starting to record, Royce and I had a conversation about whether or not to revisit the moniker Hoth or Noth for talking about Andor. And... Since I just brought it up, I suppose that means we're revisiting it. Go back and listen to that episode. Royce and I give our uh, expectations for Andor before it was released. And now we're going to uh, revisit some of those things with the conclusion of Andor. And we had asked the question, will it be Hoth or Noth? Which at the time we thought was very funny. I still think it's kind of funny. <laughs> but I'm also, I'm personally confused by it because I don't know which one is hot. Both things are, are not hot. It's a little little so, confusing. It's pretty confusing. And also that was a prediction on whether it would be Hoth or Noth. Yes. And so now we could maybe actually answer the question. I suppose so. Or is it a rhetorical question? Maybe that's why. Now it's even more confusing. Mm. More confusing right. than ever. We had both predicted that it would be Hoth. In fact, you <laughs> said, quote... It has to be Hoth. Wow. Has to be. That's a pretty definitively clickbait title. <laughs> Could be the greatest Star Wars show to date. Put that on the back of the DVD <laughs> box set. So maybe maybe from there, we should go into the conversation that has been had on the internet about this show. Is that a good is that a good place to start? It'll give us the opportunity to start low and end on a high note, I think. All right, sure. Yeah. yeah. So we made our predictions. We both predicted Hoth. I think that the way you said this is very funny. But for anyone who's been paying attention to the reviews of Andor online from podcasters and YouTubers, that entire sentiment has gotten, in my opinion, very toxic. <laughs> so you're retroactively toxic, Royce. Yeah, How do you feel about right. that? I, I should have been, I should have curtailed that a little bit. and. and <laughs> Given some more enthusiasm towards Tales of the Jedi and that's mm -hmm. impact on the future of Lucasfilm. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Oh, God. I don't even know how to talk about this other than how much I dislike and disagree with the sentiment that's being portrayed here a lot with Andor. I, I guess in typical me fashion, I'll show my cards right away and say that I loved this show. And I think I was going to say, great... we like Andor. Yeah. I think it's a great show. And I think it's a great Star Wars show. Both of those things are true. But the idea and the sentiment that why Andor is saving Star Wars, why it's better than the Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan, or why Mando Season 3 cannot be as good as Andor. Uh, I don't know. We've talked about it so much here. Like, there's space for everyone to enjoy a thing. And we can, but feel free to enjoy it all if you want. You know how you have to give, like, book reports in, like, middle school, (laughs) high school? Yeah. You don't get to stand up at the front of the class and be like, why? I can't name any books off of the top of my my head right now. You (laughs) have to fill in the blank. Yeah, sure. Any classic that you have to read in that era. Why this book ruins literature, you know, or, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. Like, that's not the point of the exercise. It's like, well, dig into it and the characters and the music and the typeface the book was set in, (laughs) you know? There's more to it than like, this is good or this is bad, this is ruining or this is saving this media. But we're drawn to that as human beings. There's something about that planting of the flag on whatever side you fall on. I love it. I hate it. Yeah. You know? But that's not the point of the exercise. We need to get a... It's much healthier to not try to grade TV shows and movies on that scale, good or bad, and rather like, here is my experience with it and my takeaway. Yeah. And you're welcome to... Have a, I'm sure you had a different experience, but for some reason, it just has to be divisive. I think it's the titles, the titles and the thumbnails. That's the problem. If you had to get rid of that and everyone's video was called Andor Review, mm-hmm. then maybe we would have to be a little bit more in depth with our critiques. Yeah, that's a really good point. 100%. And I think also as people, and I mean, I do it as a content creator, comparing, right? Comparing our show to other Star Wars shows and comparing mm. ourselves to other people and all stuff that is seems to be like, for some of us, a greater part of our humanity in a relatively unhealthy way. So we're kind of already tuned to that where we want, we're saying like, and or versus Obi-Wan. Scotty and I talked about this on one of our recent episodes reviewing Andor. It's It's like, Scotty had said, it's like comparing Apple's to different kinds of apples. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You can like both. You can like one more than the other. But the idea that your opinion is correct is uh, is the issue here, I guess. Right. Dude, I was texting you about that Band Splain podcast. Band Splain, mm-hmm. like Mansplain. And they talk about... The one I listened to was an episode on Weezer. And they talk about the whole discography and how like people only like their two first albums and they get mad at like other eras of the band. And it's like the same thing. You're like, what? Just enjoy it. Yeah. Or don't enjoy it, but then don't tell other people why this isn't Weezer. This isn't Weezer. This isn't my Weezer or whatever, you know? And then people debate like, are they getting back to their roots? Or like, it's like an irrelevant point. Like they're just making music. Star Wars is making new shows and movies and like, just take it for what it is. And not say it's not the, the you know the Star Wars box or the Weezer box. Yeah, exactly. it's kind of a flaw with our like modern humanity and this, this social media age. 
So anyway, I don't know. We should get off this soapbox. Let's move towards more of the positive. Yes. Of, I loved that scene in Andor. <laughs> let's get off the soapbox and get on the, uh, let's get in the Star Wars box and talk about the cool stuff. Let's get off the box and into the box. Here we go. <laughs> Play the transition music as we're going into the box. That sounds weird. Too bad we already spilled the beans. Hey, I thought it was Hoth. I thought it was Hoth as shit. Unless Hoth means cold, and then I I, I vote for whichever one means hot. Oh, I see. Yeah, it is confusing. <laughs> yeah. Crap. I don't want to restate too much of what I said on that original episode, but, you know, not really, you know, knowing what it was going to be. We, we thought it was going to be a buddy cop show or something at one point. We're like, yeah, K2SO and uh, Andor going on, you know, adventures. And it wasn't that. And it was like probably not at all what anybody expected. And that's why people are like, it's saving Star Wars because it's so different from some of the other shows thematically. My biggest takeaway from Andor is like, usually it's pretty easy to find stuff to nitpick mm. in media, in Star Wars especially. It's easy to point out, I don't like this, that, or the other thing, this character, the music, the format, the flashbacks. And it is just really hard, for me at least, to find stuff in Andor that rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't want to say that it's perfect, because I like a lot of Star Wars that does rub me the wrong way for different reasons. But Andor has a, just such a high-quality standard that it's hard to hate. It's on a different level, depending on how you're grading the scales. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I, mm. I almost wish I could nitpick something about it, but the things I would nitpick would literally be not worth going down that avenue because it would just be trying to critique it for the point of a clickbait title or just something silly. Like initially, I didn't really like how there wasn't a lot of brass in the music. Mm. But you get to the last episode and there's a beautiful brass fucking arrangement during a funeral procession and it, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So there were so many expectations that it went beyond what you thought was even possible. And I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do want to like put a pin in... I, I want to talk about the music a little later on because sure. uh, we had talked about the music in our previous episode. But yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing here. Little to no expectation for what this was going to be and then being blown away week after week was... I mean, it made me feel great. And it was, it, it's so, it's such good content to watch. It's so fun. Sometimes it was heavy, you know, but it was still fun to watch. And it is my most rewatched Star Wars show. I immediately went back to it and watched uh, some, uh, some of the episodes three times, you know. I've certainly watched Marva's speech. I don't even know how many times, but that specific the speech alone I've I've watched over and over. And specifically with the finale, I don't know if I said this in my if I if I brought this up in my review with Scotty, but I'll do it again here. Cause I because it's very powerful to me that specifically with the finale, it's been a long time since I've seen a show or movie that has made me like made me want to go out and kick the world's ass. I feel like I can take on the whole empire myself. Yeah, it's like you want to you want me to stand in front of the first order with a laser sword and defeat their whatever he says. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. I will do that. Like it has been such a long time. Every ounce of that finale did that for me, even the music, which we'll get to. But yeah, I loved this show. It's certainly, 
it has changed what Star Wars can be, which is great. It's adding another branch to the tree. And now we have this and we're getting a second season. And it was really, really good. And I am so... It's the like one of the most surprising things to me is how good it was. I think the the word that you said that I love or the point that you made, I don't know if this is the wording of it, but the rewatchability mm-hmm. that you actually want to go and sit through it again, even though there's a ton of dialogue, which is maybe partly why you have to go back to catch all like the, the dialogue you missed or watch it with subtitles or whatever, but that you want to go back and absorb more and experience it again. You know, like that's, to go back to this like Weezer analogy, like that's what a great album is that you can like grow with it over time and you find, you know, little ear candy within it that you didn't pick up the first time, but makes it even better the second time when you you catch one reference or you catch one kind of visual or whatever it is, you know, or an acting thing where the, just the look is just right. One thing I really loved was Marva, uh, her breathing in her apartment. You know, you see the cold breath come out of her and like, They say, like, turn the damn heat on in there. It's cold. And you see her breath, you know? And that's like a small, subtle thing. But it's like, wow, that's so good. And especially on the rewatch, if you didn't happen to catch that, that there's so many of those details making it just so amazingly, like, subtle and and tasteful, you Mm -hmm. know? That you can, that you're willing to go back to it. It's not like sugar cookies where you can only have so many before you get sick, you know? (laughs) Yes. I love, I've, you know, we've been friends a long time. I always love your analogies and your connections to Weezer, to cookies. Why Star Wars Andor is not a sugar cookie and it's a stalk of broccoli. <laughs> I'm writing that down because that's going on the thumbnail. <laughs> Growing with it over time. That's what I want to do. That's what I feel like this... Why has Star Wars lasted for 50 years, almost? Yeah, and we know that Andor is very different. And it gives, it gives a, different, a different part of the canvas to paint on than we've gotten so far, which is amazing. But it also gives the ability to grow with it and grow with Star Wars in a different way. And now with the second season and going into Rogue One, And then if we go back and watch everything as a true saga, the way we will all blend together and and be one painting or cookie or album, whatever analogy we're going with at this point uh, over time, that's a feat in and of itself. And on top of that, they did an amazing job making the show. And to have different creative teams which with each arc, I would say that this is the first show upon first viewing that I really paid attention to the different creative teams that kind of ran each arc. And being like, wow, they should make a Star Wars together. Like, they should they should make more Star Wars together. So it was just a really incredible to see, I think, on every level. Yeah. I will say, though, to bring this a little bit back to the beginning of the conversation, that I it's so good. I can't wait for season two because I'm assuming it's going to live up to this quality standard or similar. Even if it's not as good as season one, like, it'll probably still be very good. But... I don't want this to be the only kind of Star Wars that exists. It's just, this is a really nice breath of fresh air yeah. from what we've gotten recently. But I'm also going to look forward to another adventure of, you know, a young child on a moisture farm that, like, wants to go explore the galaxy. I still think that is a very valid story that will always fit within Star Wars, you know? Whatever desert planet, whatever 
gendered child, you know, mm-hmm. but there's always that rise of that underdog is still going to be a cool story as well. You know, someone learning about the force or whatever it is, their place in the galaxy, more happy-go-lucky, like stereotypical adventure, you know? That's just a different avenue. Just like with Bad Batch, you're like, oh, I want to go on that journey too. But that's another totally different avenue of Star Wars. So even though we can sit here and talk about how great Andor was and maybe better than other uh, shows of the recent era, you know, like that's not the point. It's like, I still want to see those other stories too, you know? I don't want that, our love for Andor to like overshadow any of that. Yeah, and that's that's like... I don't know. That's the point of having this conversation is we know it's we we know it's not going to get that way for us. But I just can't I, I, I kind of can't fathom that the language out there that I'm seeing is pointing to that being the way it is for other people. Well, I, I hope that this does give an impression for future series to have a higher quality standard, maybe like I don't think quality is any measure of whether like what story you have to tell, sure. you know? That's like the Weezer thing. They're like, make it sound like the whatever album. Like, that's not the point. I'm making a good album, but like they did a whole album of covers or one that sounded like they were Van Halen. And it was all like stadium rock. It was like a different genre. And it's the same thing with Star Wars. Andor is a different sort of genre, but it's so high quality. And the action adventure can also be a different genre, but high quality. And so can the children's animated series or whatever. It doesn't mean that all those other, you know, shows don't have to have a high quality standard. They could still be great. And Andor's quality standard, arguably, that's probably the easiest thing that you can say is probably at a higher bar than some of the other shows, regardless of the actual, like, uh, type of story they were trying to tell or the characters that they used. Definitely, that is true. And, and you know, it's an evolution of, the te- of some of the technology. The volume was created, I don't know, very recently, whenever Mando season one came out, Star Wars throughout history has created, invented mm. these technologies that were then improved upon for the future betterment of cinema. And so that's just what's happening here. And we're seeing it evolve within Star Wars, which is great. I mean, the volume, the combination of volume and practical effects in Andor was fairly seamless. Whereas in Obi-Wan, which I also loved that show a lot, but you could tell when the volume was being used. So you're right, like quality and production-wise, we're moving forward and hopefully this will be the bar for that. I would include like writing in the quality as well. Like the writing is great too, you know? Uh, like Yes, writing, directing, all, like the entire creative process mm-hmm. behind Andor was flawless from what I could tell. And from my opinion, I guess I should say. I don't mean to compare it with Obi-Wan, but it's the most recent show in... Star Wars history, and I really didn't have that many problems with the story and direction or anything that personally like irked me a little. But there was stuff, there was Mm -hmm. like stuff to point out. And with Andor, like you said, I have a very hard time finding anything like that. Andor just had so much restraint, you know, it didn't really push buttons, I feel like, where when you're playing with legacy characters like Leia or Boba Fett. You know, like Hmm. that's much easier just to fumble that ball. There's almost like more respect that has to go into that. It's funny you get Tony Gilroy, who's like, I don't even really like Star Wars, but he did a story that didn't really incorporate a lot of legacy characters, which probably would have had more freedom to do crazy wild stuff. But he, you know, was more restraintful with it. There's no slapstick comedy. There's no fan service. And it's just a really great story. But I feel like there's a lot of things with Boba Fett with 
comedy elements or fan service or just shoehorning in characters that doesn't work quite on the same level, you know, and it's easier to nitpick for that reason. Yeah, I don't want to rehash Boba Fett, but yes, you know, for a show that wasn't supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to have Easter eggs or fan service, there were quite a few Easter eggs and fan service moments, I think, in Andor. But again, done really well. I just, there was no like, I have the high ground. Hello there. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of like the, e like I said, the restraint. He didn't like just go for the easy yeah. punchlines. You know, it was taken very seriously and done as if it was creating a whole new thing and done very successfully. Speaking of like our expectations of something that I think they ended up like taking very seriously and doing really well, I think is the music of this series. And I want to talk, you're, you're, you're our music guy. I want to talk to you about <laughs> the music. So, but specifically in our last Hoth or Noth episode, we discussed that we didn't really know this new composer. And you specifically had said that you really wanted these shows to start incorporating the already like in existing music, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> I think your, your direct quote was if they can use pew pew, then they can use, -da 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 -da, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. you and I have talked off air a lot about the music in this series and the music in this series, I, I think has been extremely Hoth or Noth, whichever one's good. And I, so I want I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, like just like we're talking about how to, you know, fairly judge the content of, you know, the series or the film or whatever you're watching. Like, I feel like the music is similar and you got to grade that on, on its own kind of scale and give it its own time to live with you. Because a lot of times the first watch through, you don't pick up on that unless it's really in your face or you just happen to be ignoring like the dialogue and listening to the music or if there just isn't, dialogue and you can listen to the music like Marva's funeral procession that the music is kind of like I guess maybe is Nemec's manifesto over some of that there might be like random dialogue but the music is heavy there it's easy to pay attention but a lot of times the music is more subtle and I would say that was the case with Obi-Wan a lot too that the music sort of brooded in the background it wasn't always in your face uh just very occasionally when you get like the hero's theme or whatever and that was the same thing with Andor the very beginning there's the opening credits theme, and that changed every time, which by default, if you wanted to make a YouTube thumbnail for the Royish Good Looks podcast channel or whatever, I would have griped about why the music, why the intro music sucks. It's mm. different every fucking time. Are you fucking kidding? It's the <laughs> intro music. It should be the same, you know? The Simpsons. Well, yeah. It's the same every time. Obviously, it's the same musical arrangement. They just kind of or the musical uh, notes, but they arrange it a little differently within the band. But that's something that by the end of the season, you can appreciate. Mm -hmm. But on the first time through, you're confusing. Like, it's confusing. I didn't hear that the first like couple episodes. I was like, what is the music? You know, you're left kind of wondering. And obviously you're not listening to it like an album. It's it's a show. So you have, you know, you, it's a story they're telling, you know? You yeah. have to have the the patience. It's such a hard thing about it. So the intro music threw me off initially. But it's cool that it's different every time because they play it for the story. And that's the point. So it often leads you into the episode properly, right? And the same thing with the end credits. Uh, what I think they did really well, or what, one of my mo more favorite moments with the music, is they often did the stereotypical John Williams swell into the end credits, like 
the music always got you pumped at the end of the episode, and then the end credits rolled. And the piece for the end credits, you're like, this is great. I want to watch the end credits because this is the best musical moment in the show. Sometimes you watch the credits if you want to see who's working on it, and they can be fun. And that's why Marvel movies have the cool animations around the credits, so it's fun to watch them. But these were just regular credits with an excellent score, but it also swelled into it, you know? There's the episode where Andor's walking to the camera in the second episode, I think, and they're playing like rock drums, and you're like, yeah, he's going to go deliver the Star Path unit to Axis. Yeah. And it gets you pumped. So there was a couple moments like that, but to, and I'm sorry if I'm chatting too much, you can jump back in in a minute. Themes, though, are undeniable in the original Star Wars series, and it still kind of perplexes me why I mean, there must be a rights thing. I've heard that, like, you can't always use those themes because it's too expensive. Mm. I, why can't we use Pew Pew, but not the Force theme directly? I, that baffles me. Obviously, the uh, Force theme wouldn't, you know, apply to Andor. But I feel like there's a lot of, like, rebel themes, you know? The banana, 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 lenta. If that played underneath Luthen fighting those TIE fighters and that shield generator or the tractor beam, that's, like, a perfect opportunity for that. When I hear that music, I'm like, you know, don't get cocky, kid. Like, let's let's go. That's classic Star Wars. Obviously, fan service, maybe. But I, I love hearing that music. I don't see why you can't use that if you can't use Pew Pew. I'm going to beat that to death because that doesn't make any sense. Don't put the Star Wars logo at the beginning of the show. Just call it Andor. Hmm, hmm. Just call it Andor, not Star Wars Andor. Why not use the music? I don't, Joey, I don't get it, man. But a lot of the music brooded overall. There's not a lot of the themes, and I think that's really more what I mean is I want to whistle along, you know? The Mandalorian theme, fantastic. I guess Boba Fett had that, uh, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Boba, no, 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 no. That, yeah. that one's okay. That's an okay theme. Obi-Wan's theme is, is very beautiful. That video of John Williams conducting it at, at one of those uh, expos, it's so beautiful but there's not a lot of hooks in the Obi-Wan series. They don't really pander in the hooks. I think that's part of the Star Wars box that I'll never be able to give up. Clearly, I'm passionate about it. I'm steamrolling the episode. I apologize. No, this is great. All that said, Nicholas Britell has won my heart over because mm. the music is good. It's just subtle most of the time, like Andor is subtle most of the time, and you have to have the patience for it. But that funeral scene, man, that is that is on force theme level with me, like the twin binary sunset scene with Luke looking out, the, you know, and the strings swell in and like you just shed a tear. It's so powerful. That moment is on that level for me mm -hmm. where you're just like, holy cow. Every time I listen to it, I, I tear up every time. I can't listen to that and not have an emotional reaction, which is, that's what you want. Yeah. From any, any piece of art, you want it to move you. My God. Play that at my funeral, man. Yeah. People are going to miss you if you play that song, you know? Like, that that, yeah. that was powerful. I completely agree. And it's really interesting you say all of this because, well, first of all, I think, I don't know, we get up on our soapbox and we say Star Wars can be different things and it's expanding and stuff. I think it's also very special to hold on what Star hold on to what Star Wars means to you. If you, like, hold on to the part of that box that made you a fan, mm. that you love about Star Wars, but be okay with it expanding I don't mean to say, like, there's no such thing as the Star Wars box. Star Wars can be anything. <laughs> it can be. Everyone needs to hold on to what makes it special to them. Star Wars is very special to me. Obviously, we're sitting, like, I sit here and talk about it often and put that, you know, put that out to the world because it's very special to me. But it's interesting because I don't really, I think, obviously, I think of the original trilogy music. And I think of some of the 
prequel trilogy music, and I think a lot of the Clone Wars music. But I never really think of it in this way as like representing like the scene with Luthen when he's fighting the TIE fighters in the tractor beam. It never even occurred to me to have like that rebel theme in there. I don't know if it would work or if it would be cringe. I think they do that in Rogue One. There's a TIE, uh, tie fighter or TIE striker and an X-Wing comes in or they shoots like an AT-AT or whatever. Uh-huh. And they play that for, you know, 10 seconds. You know, they just do the little hook there. Yeah. And the rebels on the ground are like, yeah. And like, that's what that hook is for to me. But that doesn't occur to you when you're watching these? It does not. But I think I was so wrapped up in Andor that none of that occurred to me. And I I really liked the music. Would it take you out of it if you heard something that recognizable? Probably. Well, I don't know. I would, I, I think probably not because it is inherently Star Wars, you know? So it, it, I probably would have been like, oh, this figures. But it also didn't take me out of it that it wasn't there. Sure. I would agree with that too. Yeah. But I can't sing you the music from that scene. I haven't sure. seen it 30,000 times either. Yeah. But again, you know. We have seen, and John Williams became a household name. We, like, mm-hmm. from growing up, we knew who John Williams, he, he scored everything. And I think that's something Michael Giacchino does very well is he incorporates old, the older themes into the stuff that he's been hired to make with Star Wars, with Marvel. Like he integrated the Spider-Man theme into the old Spider-Man theme into the new Spider-Man theme. Mm -hmm. It's something he does really well. Andor was definitely like a, these are all new people. This is an entirely new thing, you know? Marva's funeral procession music, uh, forming up slash stone in sky or something like that. It's the official title for the piece. It actually, I wouldn't say that like, it's a one-to-one, but it reminds me a lot of Duel of Fates. Mm. You know, you get the dun 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 and that's kind of like pushing you along. That's like the pulse of that. And that sort of reminds me of the like that pulsing sort of melody. You've made me like that even more now, yes. And then you have the big choir, the and that's exactly the chords. They're like, I can't sing the chords here as one dude, but like there's like two or three chords in that song. It's not a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and they just kind of go back and forth. So I don't know if Nicholas Britell took any inspiration from that. And they certainly don't sound like each other, but sort of from a compositional standpoint, they feel very similar to me. And I think this would be a great YouTube video. Someone needs to do this. The similarities between this and Duel of Fates and both, you know, pivotal moments, pivotal scenes. So like you said, the the composer taking inspiration from John Williams, but still being allowed to do his own thing. I think Marva's funeral march sounds like nothing else really in Star Wars, but you could still find a parallel Mm. with at least Duel of Fates, I think. And both representing a parent figure's death. Mm. Now that I think about it, there's several parallels there. I do want to talk more about that because, like I said, music doesn't always stand out to me in terms of like, it's just part of the experience. So it can Mm -hmm. enhance the experience or sometimes it takes me out of it. But specifically with the funeral procession, the first time I saw it, I was immediately in awe of the idea that someone had to take the orchestra, take the soundtrack out of the recording studio and put them in front of the camera, make them part of the set. I, I have never, I had never seen anything like that before, but they were playing the soundtrack in the street as right. part of the show. And that blew me away. I mean, I friggin' love the music. I lo- and then as they start marching towards the square, the tempo picks up like they're playing the soundtrack 
in the show as people with instruments. I, I don't really know how to talk about it musically, but it that the idea of that blew me away. Apparently they wrote that piece first. That was like the first music. Dude, wow. whatever whatever he was like drinking or smoking that day, like <laughs> great work, man. So they did that. They, he wrote that early on and they had to have it written early on so they could perform it on set. So that's oh, like you said with the right. production yeah. that there's a there was a band on set playing the actual piece. You know, maybe they changed it a little bit, but they at least had like fingerings and slides and things that looked proper on screen to sync up with the music. Like you said, that's not like, oh, the Ewoks are playing some bongos. <laughs> you know, the Ewok does the solo on the the stormtrooper helmets, you know. Do, 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 do. Oh, and they they overdubbed a different song for Return of the Jedi there. So, you know, that that was not at all planned in the production of that. They just had an Ewok banging on the helmets mm. and later on, you know, they foley it in later. But not the case with that funeral march. Written ahead of time, performed on set. The actors, like, imagine you're Brasso or the actor that played Brasso. Don't know his name. Amazing job. Amazing character. He's carrying the casket, you know? He's got the brick and they're playing that song, man. It would be interesting to see some of the raw recordings from that day on set with the music there. I don't know if they use that on the soundtrack, but the soundtrack is very raw too. You can hear the musicians breathing and shuffling and, you know, they obviously produced it to sound like it was, you know, an amateur band out in the wild there. But to be the actors experiencing that, it had to have added to the gravity of that scene. I would love to see some behind the scenes stuff to see if like everyone's getting emotional while the band is actually playing there. When the episode starts, the intro to this episode is that band. How did you feel about that intro? Because when it started for me, I was like, this is not high quality music production stuff. I don't think I even noticed it the first time through. Maybe I noticed that it was like more brassy, but like not the fact that it was like intonated weirdly or whatever. But then once you go back, you're like, that's, you know, brilliant foreshadowing. That's yeah. storytelling. That's great. Like, yeah. why is this out of tune and kind of, you know chaotic and then you're like that's the daughters of ferrick's marching band or whatever you know like that's perfect that's so perfect yep i agree i love that whole sequence i could talk forever about that whole funeral scene and marva's speech and everything but the music is incredible we see them all tuning up before they start marching right. i mean it's just so i've talked several times with scotty and on a, a, other podcasts about how it's the little moments in this show, like you said before, the attention to detail, and then the little moments that make this show so personal, and that some of my favorite moments are the, like, blink and you miss the moments. Mm -hmm. And them tuning up, like, there's footage. It was part of the show that they're tuning their instruments, and that just makes that whole experience so personal. Yeah, it's not just a John Williams score. Yeah. Someone in Star Wars, there's a Star Wars character that wrote that fucking music. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, it's not even Nicholas Brattel. You know what I mean? Like, that's a character in Star Wars. Think about it like that. Yes. Dude. Someone wrote that someone in Star Wars wrote that music. And that's another point I wanted to bring up, Royce, because you and I have kind of made fun of this stuff in the past. Like, in Solo, when the Imperial March is playing over the... Yeah. W wherever he is when he's, like, enrolling in the... That that Imperial right. Station, whatever it is, that is taking from the old music and using it in new, the newer generation of stuff. 
But like, we've made fun of that because A, it's adding the Imperial March into the canon of Star Wars, like it's music that exists in the universe. (laughs) But it's so, it's such a, it opposes the idea of the music from Andor so much. I don't know. I was thinking about that, that like we've made fun of some of this in-world music in the past. Yeah, the diegetic music. I mean, like the Cantina Band, that makes sense at like the club that there's a band playing and they play upbeat jazz music. And it would make sense that the Imperials would have like a, a national anthem of sorts. But the fact that it was a major key version of the Imperial March, it just doesn't taste right. That sugar cookie had not enough flour in it that or sugar, something. That sugar cookie wasn't enough like Weezer's original album. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a really weird choice, man. You want to talk about like taking care of legacy stuff? You're going to take one of the most iconic pieces of music, put it in a major key, and now it's in a promotional video for the Empire. It's a great bit. <laughs> I love that. I love that for... For Family Guy's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I love that for a bit. That was weird in Solo, and it took me out of it. Whereas Marva's thing drew me right in. Yeah. Especially that you're like, they're playing it. The the characters are playing it. Right. That was heavy, man. Yeah, very heavy. And I loved it. I saw online, and I don't know if this is the way it is. I, I didn't hear this in the soundtrack. I don't know if it's what they'll end up doing as a release of the soundtrack. But I, I heard the version of all of the intros that someone combined. Oh, right, right. Did you hear that? I, I saw that. I did watch it. It didn't sound as impressive to me as I thought it would. I it, don't know like how they mixed all the levels together, but yeah. it, I thought it was going to be like a massive wall of sound, yeah. and it was not. What I really liked about the idea of that was that like each, like you were saying, each intro is different, and that each intro represented different character journeys or different factions of the rebellion and Mm. then you can bring them all together like that's the point of the show and so that that kind of made the different intros more special to me which is just something some fan did it got me thinking about how the different intros connected to bringing everyone like everyone separated but bringing everyone together so that made me appreciate it a little bit more yeah that is cool i like that imagine if the funeral procession play the out-of-tune Imperial March, you know? <laughs> Maybe something more appropriate for the for the setting, but still something like an out-of-tune existing piece of music, like the metal ceremony at the end of A New Hope or whatever. I think that would have been weird, but yeah, the, yeah. that it's its own piece, you know, makes sense. It, it, that couldn't have been Across the Stars or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. It had to be a different piece. I do love Across the Stars. Is that what you want played at your funeral if you had to pick us? No, I want to do something great enough to have Marva's music played at my funeral. Like, I want to make, you know, the ideal situation. I'm wondering if that's going to be like Marva's theme, if they're going to bring that, if they do any flashbacks, Mm. if Marva's like fighting some Empire people and they play. I would love that. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I love that. I also want more flashbacks. I don't know. That's a that's a whole separate thing we could talk about. I could talk about that scene all day, Joey. Yeah, me too. But we can't. You know why? Because it's too hard to edit if it goes <laughs> too long. So here's a surprise question. We went into this with no expectations. We both obviously really loved it. Uh, we talked a lot about the music, but I want to know, like, 
give me a favorite thing of yours from this besides the music, whether it's Ooh. like a scene or a moment or a character. I mean, it can just be a character, whatever. A couple of moments where I pumped my fist. One would be uh, where Nemec is getting operated on and Skeen is talking to uh, Andor. And he's like, let's steal the, the money and run. Let's split it up and take it and go. In that scene, I was like, what is Andor going to do? And then when he just decides to off him right there, I was like, yes, yes, Andor. Because like he could have taken the money. Yeah. And like that's the whole part of the story is like, is he going to be a rebel or is he going to be a Han Solo? Like I look out for one one person, me, you know? Right. And in that moment, he decides, I mean, he's still kind of looking out for himself to a degree, but he's not going to let Skeen steal the money from the rebellion, you know? He's not over the fence yet, but he's like, I'm going to take what I'm owed. I just killed the guy. He was going to steal half of it. And maybe Vel is like, I don't believe any of this. But that moment, I pumped my fist because I was like, yes, Andor making this like very difficult decision. And he's clearly great at that in a split section. Do I need to kill this guy or not? Yeah. He's got no trouble. Like he's kind of like not really a character to aspire to be like. He's not your Luke Skywalker, you know? Mm. He's not your Ray Skywalker. You don't really want to <laughs> be Andor necessarily. Sure. And I think that's probably why some of it works is because he's he's in the middle. You know, maybe like most people really are in life. It's like not really making a difference one way or the other. Yeah. But he made that really powerful choice there. And then he continues to make those. So that was like, Robin was so mad at me because I was like, yes! It was one of those moments where like you stand up in the theater sort of thing. All right. I like that one, yeah. Sweet. Did you have another? Man, I love the can't swim moment. Yeah. That's another heartbreaking moment. They're breaking out and... There's there's a moment where they, they linger on the cameras and you're like, what is he going to say? And he's like, can't swim. You're like, no. You know, your heart breaks there. You know, that's a total opposite moment. It wasn't pumping my fist. I pumped yeah. my fist at the never more than 12. You know, that was a great, great ending or you want to come back for next week's episode. So there, yeah. were, there were a lot of those, those stinger moments. Stinger. That's a good, you using Stinger is a good callback to our last Hawthornoth episode. You got to have those. And so those stuck <laughs> out to me, you know, the Kino moments and that one where Skeen gets off. There's like, there's probably a couple more, but I'll leave it at that because we'll be yeah. here all day. Well, what about you? What are some standout moments? Oh uh, yeah. This, it's a hard question to answer. A lot of the same as yours. Marva's speech. I mean, I talked, I talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but the scene when Cassian goes to rescue Bix and Bix says Marva was just here and Cassian said, wasn't she great? That's, I would say that that's like, that's the scene that got me most, like hit me most in the emotional feels throughout the entire series. Andor has introduced me into like other shows and movies have introduced me to characters that I love and books. The High Republic is chock full of books of characters I, I love. Andor has been probably the most dense vein of of that for me every single character we meet I, f I fell in love with besides Skeen I always knew something was wrong with Skeen you know Cassian Marva to some extent B2 Brasso Bix even Mon Mothma which I in our previous episode I had said I was really excited to see that stuff and that really paid off I absolutely loved the scene where she's like she's going after Perrin about his gambling. I would say that's one of my favorite scenes mm. because it just like, I love it when I'm watching a thing and I say, it is so smart that somebody wrote this. You know, it's like, 
and, and that was a lot of the writing of this show, but that that was the idea. Someone concocted this idea to have Mon Mothma put the Empire on Perrin. Somebody wrote that, but then somebody wrote that a character has to come up with that idea. There's lots mm. of layers there. So that was one of my favorite things. But yeah, just like the density of favorite characters in this show, <laughs> like outdoes any anything else I've seen in a long time, I'd say. Yeah, there's a lot. You could pull 100 people and, and get a variety of answers. I think there's a lot of standout stinger moments. Yeah. Brasso rigging up that one ship to get caught by the, you know, Cable and Unferrix, like really subtle thing that you kind of miss. Because you don't even it. know who Brasso really is at that point in time. Yeah. But clearly that was him rigging that up, you know? I missed it the first time. I didn't get it till the second time. Another thing I missed, well, I guess another thing I didn't notice till way late, but I think it's because we don't see the flashback. But in the first or second episode, Cassian goes to visit Brasso at work and we see the wall of gloves and we see one set of gloves missing. And then we see Clem in a later episode in a flashback wearing those workers' gloves. So the idea that, like, Clem was killed by the Empire and in memoriam to him, they leave his, like, glove hmm. space open. But subtle stuff like that, that, yeah, that, that like we were talking about before, the rewatchability of the show, because it's a great show to go back and rewatch, but because also you get so much, you can get so much more out of it if you, like, go back and see that attention to detail. Yeah. So what if there's an, a video game based off Andor and uh, you're you're on Rick's road and uh, you've just got a brick for a weapon, you know, but the brick, you can only <laughs> like, you can only use it like once, you know, because it's a brick, like maybe it goes flying or it like smashes over a helmet, right? Yeah. You get to use the brick to smash into a stormtrooper. And then after that, Brasso's like, fuck it. I'm just going to smack you with my head. I love Brasso. He was kind of an underrated, uh, you know, uh, silent killer for me in this show. He headbutted a stormtrooper, the stormtrooper with the helmet on. Like that, I, when that happened, I was like, what the fuck? You yeah. know? Yep. <laughs> I love, I love that. And he wasn't the only person like just going for it, you know, with his bare hands. Like, yeah. I love, yeah. Yep. I love Brasso. And if, when we, when you and I were in college, I played a lot of Left 4 Dead 2, and you just made me think <laughs> of Left 4 Dead 2. Like, if Andor had come out 12 years ago, and they made that brick-like downloadable content as a <laughs> weapon for Left 4 Dead 2, I would have been playing the shit out of that. Marvis Brick. <laughs> well, so now that we have talked about the entire series of Andor, let's hear from you, loyal listener you. What are your favorite scenes? I want to know what made you jump up off the couch, spill the bowl of popcorn, piss <laughs> off everybody else in the room just because you had to pump your fist Scare something the badass. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Let us know. We want to know what your favorites are. Hit us up at Krypton Alderon on Twitter, or just search Krypton to Alderon everywhere else. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, even TikTok occasionally. Hive. Or Hive. We're on Hive? We're on Hive. Well, there you go. <laughs> or you could pew, pew, pew us an email at Krypton to Alderon at gmail.com and leave a review or some stars wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Thank you for listening to the show. I've been Royce. I've been Joey. And we've been Krypton to Ferris. I knew you were going to go there. I was going to say Ferris, but I was going to leave it for you. Do Morlana 1. <laughs> Great.